You're listening to Enterprise Asset Intelligence, powered by ThinkTech, your industry leaders on how to command and control your entire asset ecosystem. Welcome to Enterprise Asset Intelligence, a ThinkTech podcast. I'm your host, Sean Heath. From the late 60s through the late 80s, American broadcast television, right before the evening news, would present a public service announcement. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Move forward to today, 2019. Knowing where your stuff is is really important. I think it's even more important if you know where the stuff you borrowed from somebody is. Well, today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with somebody who knows all about people using their stuff or using other people's stuff. And that is Jason Perez. He's the CEO and co-founder of Yards. Jason, how are you today? Very well. Thank you for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. Hey, I really am glad you were able to come on today. Just as a general rule, um, are you extra careful when you borrow, say, a friend's, I don't know, laptop, or if somebody loans you, I don't know, maybe their golf clubs? Are you more careful with those things than you are with your own stuff? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, here, here's the reality. We're raised in a family where if you borrow somebody else's things, you actually treated it better than your own. And, you know, if somebody gave you a Tupperware with food, you actually returned it to them either spotless clean or with food that you're you're gifting them back, right? I mean, it was all about taking care of other people's things. I would imagine in the professional space where you live and breathe, that mentality is probably the norm. I want to talk just briefly, if we could, about the simple importance of knowing where your assets are, whether you're, they're yours or whether they're rented. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting in the world that I live because we actually started by solving a problem strictly focused on uh, rentals, right? And so I spent two years roughly of visiting people's offices and hanging out with them and talking about, hey, how are you renting equipment now in the construction industry? How are you, you know, communicating with your sales reps? And then once it's rented, you know, how are you tracking it? And and it was an extensive uh, amount of research that we just kind of sat down and 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 talked through that workflow and what we found is not only are they trying to figure out you know where their things are that they're rented but they also have their own equipment that they have deployed throughout all these different projects and they're trying to figure out okay what do I have what should I be deploying and then the other piece is what should I be renting and can I be optimizing our current equipment so that we can rent a little bit less. And so, you know, even though we initially started solving a problem of workflow and saying, okay, how do we make renting just a whole lot easier for people? It actually led to that own side as well going, well, heck, people are renting a lot of stuff that they don't even need to rent because they don't even know where their own stuff is, right? So that was kind of an interesting segue of rentals to own. And and really, you know, it's all about getting the tools regardless of whether you own them or not or somebody else owns them and making sure that you can go do the work that needs to be done. I mean, our industry is simple, re- really simple. And the more complex you make it, the less people connect to, to your solution. And so, you know, that's all they want to know. Where, where are my things and where are the things I rent? It would seem to be very crazy to rent a backhoe when you have one and you just couldn't remember that you had one. <laughs> but it's happening. It's happening all the time, like 
all the time. It's it's crazy. We talk to people that have simple, you know, pieces of equipment like skid steers that are that are sitting around on projects everywhere or backhoes, and they're going, "Hey, you know, we deploy a backhoe in almost every single project we have." All right, awesome. And then next thing you know, there's backhoes that just aren't even being used on projects. And they land an extra project and they decide to go rent it. And it's like, well, why are you renting it when you have four other ones that aren't doing anything, right? I mean, you kind of have to know what you have before you start buying something something new. And you know, look, I think everybody on a personal level as, as humans, you know, we end up doing things like I'm going to buy a pair of glasses or I'm going to buy a, buy a pair of gloves. And then you end up buying two because you're like, well, you know, I need one in my truck and one in the car. And the next thing you know, you can't find either of them because... You had too many of them, right? And so even just visibility to small things like keys in our life, we lose them all the time, right? Now, you know, talk about 150 to 300 keys or pieces of equipment that you have deployed in all these different projects, and you're supposed to remember what's being used and what's not. I mean, it's just not humanly possible, right? When you first step into a project is audit the very first thing you think? That's got to be, you've got to gather that data because you've got to know what you're working with, right? You know what? I love data. I love information. My background is behavioral science. And so there's a lot of statistics behind what, what I do and, and to understand how people think and the psychology behind, you know, workflows and all that. And even though the data is really important, the first thing that we do, you know, over at Yards and, and how Yards was built was really just sitting down and having some honest conversations with the users and going, hey, let, let's do some some customer discovery and, dr and drill down to what's important for you. The data is important, but really before we even developed the first line of code for, for Yards, we had spoken to dozens and dozens, I won't venture to say hundreds, but dozens and dozens of people and said, okay, what are you tracking now? How are you tracking it? How are you communicating? And, and here's the interesting thing about the rental industry for us. You know, we started as simply a workflow because if you look at, you know, corporate America 30 years ago when they were booking trips, you know, if I, if I was a business guy and, and having to travel every week, yeah, I would call Hertz, call Avis, you know, National Enterprise, Alamo, whoever it is, and I have to call each one tell them where I'm going, what free I'm la uh, uh, what airport I'm landing in, you know, the dates I need it, what type of vehicle I wanted, you know, you're given all this information. And then guess what? You have to pick up the phone and call the next rental company. And then you got to call the next one. And then finally, when you get the rate for that city that made the most sense, you call back the one that had the best rate. And then, you know, rinse and repeat, right? You're doing it for the next week and the next week. And all of us used to walk around with these little envelopes or folders that were titled by the city we're going to and we had in the old map quest you know laid out with hotels and all that stuff and it it took hours it took hours to book stuff so then they had travel departments well this is the same thing for equipment rental and construction i mean people they pick up the phone they call their sales rep and they go this is what i need at this location for these number of dates do you have it what's the rate great let me call the next guy and keep in mind you know some people are sending emails, some people are, you know, leaving voicemails, some people are doing text message, but it's so disjointed. And so what you end up is really with a, a fag fragmented industry. Um, and so we looked and we said, geez, travel industry really solved this fairly quickly. 
right? They had a conduit for people to be able to communicate supply and demand side and then connect those individuals, right? A, a marketplace. And so we said, why don't we develop something that actually communicates the way that our, our customers want to communicate and allow them to continue to use the sales reps that they love, sales reps that they've had relationships for 10 or 20 years, um, but streamline the process so that they, once they get that pricing, they book it through the system and now it's allocated a job. And it doesn't matter whether you're going to a different state. It doesn't matter if you're renting with a different company each time. At the end of the day, all the data is housed in one place, able to communicate. And, and you know, a lot of times people say, hey, wh what are you guys replacing, right? And look, I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the world. I think our customers are the smartest people in the world and they know how to solve the problem better than, than we do. And so a lot of them were solving the problem already with whiteboards or they built custom spreadsheets or they, you know, we, we saw some really fancy stuff like guys that had different sticky note colors for different rental companies and they would put it against the wall depending on what rental company it was, it was a different color. And then they would chart it out, you know, as you go week one, week two, all the way down to the, you know, left to right for the durations that they were renting. And that was the way that they tracked it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we took all these great ideas and, and put it into a platform and said, okay, Let's make it as simple as a whiteboard, right? Let people rent equipment with about 10 seconds worth of effort. Everything gets tracked in the same place. And now they can start making the business decisions based on that. But most importantly was the communication side. You know, people would rent things and it might be in one central repository where it's sitting on a wall on a whiteboard, sitting in a spreadsheet, but the notification and alerts, the communication of, hey, this is what I have on my site you know, and all the stakeholders for the project going, oh, wow, I, I do still have that backhoe or I still have that reach lift that's been at the back of the project for the last two months. You know, they, they never had alerts like that before, but now they can determine, hey, I'm going to get daily, weekly, monthly summaries and and they can start to check check off their own projects and go, yeah, these are the 20 pieces of equipment that we have. Some of these are owned. We're going to send them back back to our own yard so that they can get deployed and utilized somewhere else. Oh, and by the way, the rental, I don't even need that anymore. Yeah, I rented it for three months, but I'm done after two months. So they're saving on, you know, on the tail end as well. You make a really good point about how the travel industry changed the way they do business when they organized all of the data that they were already collecting. And when changes like that happen to industry, one of the greatest things that happens in those industries is usually an increase in transparency. Can you give me a real world example about the power of transparency in this particular space? So talking about things being fragmented, pricing is probably the most fragmented within the industry. Um, we had a customer, um, a national roofing contractor, that the first three quotes that they uh, sent out, one was in Biloxi, one was in Savannah, and one was for an equipment rental in, in Fayetteville here in, in Georgia. And so they ended up getting five quotes for each. And the thing that they were most amazed about in there is when I first sat down with them, they said, hey, we, we pretty much got standard rates. We get the same, you know, everybody... Their rates are all the same for the most part. And we said, okay, that's interesting. That's not what we've experienced, but let's just take a look and, and see whether that's the case. When we took those first three quotes that they sent out, or the quote requests that they sent out, 
five quotes from each company. They ended up booking with three different companies each time. Now, that doesn't seem too interesting because, you know, maybe some people have better rates in, in different, you know, cities, different states, whatever. But what was interesting is we took the delta of the two lowest prices and averaged them out over the three quote requests. So if you took the lowest one and the next lowest one, the spread between the two lowest was over 23%. I mean, that's, that's massive. The interesting thing was between the highest price and the lowest price, it was 68%. So that's how fragmented the pricing was. And the reality is, you know, that what we've seen through our customer base is a lot more transparency in this pricing now and their ability and empowerment to be able to go back and have these conversations with the rental companies and go, hey, look, I, I'm... I'm getting deals that are 60% less. Why are you guys so high? And at the end of the day, it's starting to drive down prices, you know, for everyone. That said, they're not always booking with the lowest either. Just like, you know, we might not stay at the lowest end hotel. Um, we might want to go somewhere else based on amenities or services or, or you know, location, right? I know that lowering, for example, overall rental costs is such a no-brainer and yet you run into a situation if not daily at least a couple of times a week where some company is just absolutely paying through the nose for rental costs that there's no sense in them paying we we do see that and a lot of what we've seen is because they'll stick with one rental company and they'll say hey well they have a portal that we can use right and they have some technology in that portal that is somewhat convenient so now we can track it through there and even though it might not have all the features that yards has you know at the end of the day they're able to kind of track everything in one list because they're only using one company well like anybody knows use one company sooner or later they know how to monetize you fairly well and so what we find a lot of times is we walk in and they say here's what we're doing here's where the rates are and then we say hey just just send out one quote here it is. And by the way, I'm, I'm talking about top 10 rental companies. I'm not, I'm not saying there's a massive fragment um, and disparity between top 10 rental companies and, you know, maybe the, the local or mom and pop shops. I mean, the top 10 rental companies are extremely fragmented in, the, in their pricing. And so, yeah, some companies like one, um, that we knew the first quote that they sent out, they said, Hey, I know I'm getting the best rates. I know I'm getting the best rates. And they sent it out and they're like, Whoa, I'm paying over 40% from the next closest guy. I mean, that that's crazy. Um, when you're talking top 10 rental companies, I mean, these are big guys that all, um, have a lot of availability and a lot of assets and inventory to be able to deploy for, for their customers. Um, but some people are just locking into one because they've never had the ability to track more than one company in one place. And now that Yards has come along, they can. They can track as many companies. Not only that, you know, for roofing contractors, they get to track their reach lifts or man lifts, whatever it might be that they rent. But guess what? They still have dumpsters and porta potties that they rent on a lot of their projects too. So we're talking completely different markets. Um, and so they wouldn't have rented that all in one place anyways, their, their equipment guys not renting the porta potties and the dumpsters. And so, 
um, it's been a big deal for these roofing contractors uh, to be able to go in and go, hey, every project we go out, I'm a click of a button away from renting a reach lift, a porta potty, and a dumpster. And it takes me about 15 seconds of, of effort. And most importantly, I'm not forgetting about the equipment. You know, I'm getting alerts on the last day of rental. I'm getting an alert. Everybody that's a stakeholder on that project is going to get an alert saying it's time to call that piece of equipment off. And so, you know, it's simple stuff. It, it really is simple stuff. Like you said, sometimes it's just about a, a matter of knowing what's where. Because of the study you did in behavior and your work experience, there's probably not a whole lot about any work site or project site that surprises you anymore. Is there something on the flip side of the coin that you see that most people don't realize about the industry? I think a lot of people, especially owners or CFOs or controllers, don't get the visibility to equipment that's just left out on site for long periods of time. And again, you know, we're, we're solving simple issues here. We're, we, uh, there's there's some really smart people out there that build some pretty crazy algorithms and things like that. But, you know, for us, it's it's making sure you don't leave a piece of equipment on site. And so you know, the thing that I think people get surprised about all the time is we, and it, it's a regular occurrence, we walk into somebody's office, we start talking to them, and one of our main questions that we ask in our customer discovery, because we're discovering every time we walk in, we want, you know, that personal uh, the personal touch and connection with each one of our, our users. And so, you know, that one of our questions is, have you left a piece of equipment on site longer than it should have? Yes. Okay. That's not so surprising. How long have you left a piece of equipment? What's the longest? And we've had an answer 14 months where someone's left a piece of equipment sitting in the back of a project that, by the way, was completely done and it was a it was a low cost item, but it was sitting at the very back of a massive uh, development, and it just sat there, sat there for fourteen months until the maintenance um, uh, engineers at that facility that managed the property called up the contractor and said, "Hey, um, I think you guys built this building. Did you leave this piece of equipment in the back?" And they were just stunned. But you know, fourteen months. That's long. I would say we walk in regularly, eight months, six months, three months, you know, it's months that people are leaving pieces of equipment and we're talking tens of thousands of dollars that they're leaving, you know, on the table and, and that they could be putting back to their bottom line. I understand when we're talking about money that it's all relative, obviously, but you said low cost items. You didn't mean no cost items. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're still talking about thousands, right? When I say low cost, I mean, there, there are some high cost $15,000 a month type items, but you know, we're still talking thousands. The industry starts to look forward to find ways to be more efficient because cost reduction while maintaining an excellent level of production, that's the end goal for everybody, right? What trend or recent news have you seen that proves that as the plan or the theory of most companies moving forward? Yeah. So the conversation within the industry is at an all-time high right now. Not only that investment within the industry, specifically GPS, telematics technology, you know, um, ThingTech does a phenomenal job with actually 
building out some really great um, platforms for the customers. You know, people think all GPS and telematics are the same, but the reality is, yeah, anybody can put GPS, anybody can put telematics, they can put the hardware and they can deliver some of the data points. But the question is, how are you delivering the, the information? And I think, you know, when we look at someone like, like what's going on in the industry with GPS and telematics, there are people that are just getting in for the sake of getting in, like it's a yogurt shop on, on the corner, right? Or a coffee shop they're going to put on the corner. And then there are people that are actually driving back to, to customer behaviors and they're asking the right questions. And I think, you know, so, uh, someone like ThinkTech comes into this industry with a focus on GPS and telematics and ThinkTech goes, okay, we can deliver you all the data. Like that's simple. The question is, what type of decisions are you looking to make based on this data? This data? What, what pain points do you have based on this data? And what are you trying to drive to at the end of the day? Are you trying to lower costs? Are you trying to create you know, efficiency? Are you trying to drive more revenue? You know, I mean, there, there are things that you can do to even drive more revenue th throughout that. And you know, there's some remarkable things that can happen when you take data and you formulate it in a way that it just reports to you the information you need, right? Because big data is big. It's really big. But the reality is you need a filter when it comes to big data to, to deliver information in a simple, practical way to make business decisions on a you know operational level. You need to be able to just look at a screen and go, this is what I need to do today, right? And that's what the customers want. They want to be able to get an email and go, this is what I need to do, right? It's that simple. I get an alert, I need to call it off. Simple, you know? I get an alert, oh, I need to check on that piece of equipment, right? Or look, all these pieces of equipment are grouped together in a certain way, so now I know when I go out to the job site, I've got five pieces of equipment to do maintenance on. I mean, the reality is the whole market is moving in that direction, um, but there are certain people that are really listening to customers, really driving to their behavior, their psychology, and going, what do you want? What What is it that you want? And then certain people, certain companies, and I would like to think that Yard is one of them, and certainly ThinkTech is one of them, are going, we can give you that information in a very simple way, and you'll be able to make a decision, not with a bunch of thinking, not with a bunch of calculations, not with you know, printing reports and building your own graphs as simple as yes and no. Do I do it or do I not, right, based on the information given? It reminds me of a question that I was asked several years ago in a philosophy class in college, and the question was, you have two people. One person knows every piece of information in the world but can't use it. The other person doesn't know as much raw information as person one, but they're able to utilize everything that they know efficiently. And the question is, which of those two individuals is actually smarter? <laughs> well, I can tell you who's more effective. <laughs> That's why the synergy that you guys have with ThinkTech makes so much sense. It, it really does. It really does. You know, and it, look, let me tell you a story about what it is when you meet a customer's needs. Okay, so um, we had just come out of the box. I mean, we were like alpha slash beta slash MVP. I don't, you know, all these terms get thrown around, but we had just went live 
only a week in, and we had a meeting with one of the largest utility contractors here in Georgia, Ronnie D. Jones. And I mean, class act um, company, they are just, you know, um, high caliber. And, and we sit down and we go, okay, we're going to get this opportunity to demo yards to them. And so we, we go, we sit down and we're demoing and I'm pitching and all that great stuff. And then, you know, we had been given, been given away like a one month trial to everybody that we're meeting, but it was, you know, it was our first time meeting with like a really big company that had a lot of clout in the industry. And so, you know, I said, you know, and there's, I, I told the group as we were sitting there and there's one more thing I got to tell you and their VP, um, Joe Webb said, let me guess it. It's free. And so I was kind of chuckling to myself and I said, you know what? We're going to, you're right. It is free and we're going to give it to you for free for six months. And he's like, whoa, okay. Now you piqued my interest, right? So I walk out of the meeting going, boy, I just, I just gave away the software for, for six months. Like that, that's pretty insane. Well, we get an email two weeks later from Joe Webb, VP of Ronnie D. Jones. And actually he's the president of Georgia Utilities uh, Contractors Association. And he sends an email to us and goes, I absolutely love this product. It's so simple. I saved $20,000 just in the first couple weeks of using this software because I know where everything's at and I've called off equipment that I shouldn't even have out there rented at this point. And just based on that, he said, I'm going to pay for the whole year up front because what we think is that you're actually going to raise the price of this software in the next six months. And so we're not going to pay whatever book rate it is <laughs> six months from now. I mean, when you meet somebody's needs, they see the value, they understand the value. And at the end of the day, they're going to pay for it even when you give it to them for free. Well, here's the thing, Jason. Today, I had a need to have a very intelligent conversation with somebody about something that was really interesting, and you checked every one of those boxes. My <laughs> guest on the podcast today has been Jason Perez, the CEO and co-founder of Yards. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really did enjoy having a chance to talk to you, and I look forward to sitting down with you again anytime. Completely my pleasure. Thank you very much, Sean.